What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Once again, live on Millions. Tonight, we are talking about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party or, you know, the name that they tried and kind of immediately abandoned, the War for the Ore. A couple of other games we're going to talk about, but before we get into all that, how's your weekend? What are you drinking? Weekend was great. We uh, went, uh, went downtown for the game yesterday. Uh, for you know the cocktail party uh, celebrated my wife and I's 15th wedding anniversary it's on Halloween but we did it a little bit early because you know kids Halloween hard to do stuff uh, that day yeah um, had a little bit too much fun did karaoke uh, for the first time I was drunk enough to put myself up to it so that was fun I'm what so- was the song so I tried for neon moon but uh or I should say Jen went up there and tried to put in for Neon Moon. Apparently somebody had already put in for it. So I didn't know what we were doing until we got up there. She said that or we ended up doing Without Me by Eminem, which was a fucking awful choice because yeah. we were so plastered at that point and we had to talk fast. Yeah, no. That wasn't fun. I mean, it was fun, but it, was, it wasn't good. Like I always think of how... Uh, like in Family Guy when Lois and, uh, and Peter like start like, you know, smoking weed and stuff like that all the time for like concerts and they think they're really good but like in reality they're just up there like drooling and like not making any sound that's i assume that's probably how it sounded for anybody that was there but um it was a good time though it was, it was definitely a blast i would highly highly recommend going downtown savannah for uh really any any game of uh consequence especially when there's other florida fans or uh, fans of the other team there because it, it made it all of that more uh sweeter uh how about you uh, weekend was good. We got some friends in from out of town. So, um, we were watching their daughter while they were at a wedding during the game yesterday because their friend decided, yeah, I'm going to get married. Um, have the wedding start right at kickoff of the Georgia Florida game. Uh, so it was it a destination wedding. Like, do they, do they live down here? Their, their friends that got married do. Yeah. <sighs> Why? Yeah. I um neither of them probably even know what the shape of a football is because they care so little. So I mean, it's still just kind of rude. Um, it really is. It really is. Oh, I didn't say I'm drinking water because again, I had way too much fun yesterday. Um, I'm also drinking water, but I am drinking a grapefruit bubbly sparkling water. Ooh, um, fancy. Yeah, I get I get them when they're on sale, you know. Hmm. I've I've found that I like carbonation more than I actually like the taste of soda. Hmm. So I just, I'd have to try it. I can't do club soda. I it, I don't know. I can't do it. So I will I'll try it at some point. The citrus flavors actually taste the most like what they're supposed to. Hmm. That makes sense. And Lacroix or Lacroix or whatever it is. I'm I'm sure you've seen the meme. It's um it tastes like TV static with somebody yelling the name of a flavor from another room. It's that doesn't have flavor. Hundred percent mm-hmm. honest. But mm-hmm. bubbly and then Kroger brand actually tastes pretty good. Okay, noted. Um, I did win mini golf today, so you know we're talking to go. a champion tonight. <laughs> That's another one of those things that if you're if you're drinking, you tend to be better at it like that and like cornhole, in my opinion. Uh, I was sober. Damn. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I so pretty pretty wild tangent here. 
The doctor at the VA the other day told me that you are closer to an alcohol problem if you have two or three beers two or three times a week than you are if you have one glass of whiskey a night. Really? Hmm. Yep. That's what she said. So. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. All right. Yep. I don't. And she showed me this cutout or this like um, flyer. And it was like 80 proof whiskey or 80 proof spirit, one and a half ounces. I was like, like I, I did tell you that I drink mostly barrel proof. So we're talking like. 115 to 130 range and she's like yeah i don't think it makes that much of a difference like okay i think it does but okay it it definitely does (laughs) yeah no it 100 does um but what do we know we're we're not doctors for the va hey you know what they call the person that graduated lowest lowest of their class still a doctor and more than likely works for the va (laughs) um but yeah, so let's get into this uh, this Georgia-Florida game. Uh, Georgia, 14.5-point favorites. I think it dropped 14 right before kickoff, mm-hmm. over under 47. Um, as we all know by now, Georgia covered that 14 significantly. Um, also, almost hit the over by themselves. So the score went probably the exact opposite way I expected it to. Mm-hmm. Um I was thinking like a 24-20 kind of game where Georgia wins and doesn't cover in the under hits. And, um, you know, this is one of those weeks that I am very happy to be wrong. That's kind of why I went with with uh, Georgia covering that because it goes against conven- conventional wisdom. Like usually I, I want to say more often than not, I mean, this game is for as long as I can remember. And I know it has always been this way, but both teams come off a of bye. Usually it's a little bit sluggish to start. Um, that was not the case. Not at all. Florida came out guns blazing that first drive and then then uh, was quiet for the next, like, what, 35 minutes or so? Like, so, yeah, when yeah. against conventional wisdom. Yeah. Um, Graham Mertz not, didn't look great. Didn't, not, Mm-mm. you know, not anywhere close to what he did against South Carolina. We'll say that. Definitely. Um. So we can add a third L to Florida at yep. least this far into the season. They do, um, they do actually have a very tough schedule in the back half, which is mm-hmm. probably why they are what five and three. Mm-hmm. Probably well, why they. Got I think we talked. We talked about it at the end of the uh, the last pod um, with with Bobby. I think. I mean, they have Arkansas this week, which should be a gimme. Arkansas is awful, but what at, at LSU. Um, and then um, at Missouri, at Missouri, and then at home against Florida State. So I mean, they they got a tough one or a tough, you know, again last uh, third of the schedule here. Yeah, that's I. You know, is is good as this Georgia team looks at times. Still, do not want to play LSU. Mm-mm. I don't. Mm-mm. It will be it will be interesting to see how uh, this this Bama and, uh, and uh, Auburn game. I'm sorry, shit, Bama and LSU game goes. It's in Tuscaloosa. We'll talk about it more on Wednesday when we uh, record the uh, the preview pod. But 
Yeah. LSU is really the only team I'm worried about. Not because they're, I mean, their defense is atrocious, but again, Jaden Daniels. And Malik Neighbors is mm-hmm. having the best season for a wide receiver. And behind mm-hmm. him, they have Brian Thomas. Who would have thought I, like yeah. 10 years ago that this would be even an option for LSU? Just having a pat, <laughs> having good receivers told outside of a LSU fan. In 2014, your best chance to beat Alabama is to not play defense and just put all of your eggs in the basket of offense. Mm-hmm. That's it. You got to play just enough defense, as we can see. We'll talk about it later, but see how that has gone for USC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, big time. Just <laughs> F it. We're not even going to try playing defense but like i said we'll we'll get into that later but you mentioned uh graham mertz again not not a great game for him 25 or 34 230 yards uh two touchdowns and a fumble loss he also he did also have a rushing touchdown uh for that florida's uh rushing attack only combined for 109 yards so like one of the things i was worried about going to the game was uh trevor Etienne, and he really didn't couldn't really get any much uh much going at all i think they only had again i think I think they only had 20 rushes or maybe 24, 25 rushes altogether as a team. So um, I got the box score pulled up. I'll tell you exactly what they had. Um, so they had 25 carries for 109 yards. Montreal mm-hmm. Johnson, 82. Trevor Etienne, 42. And uh, I know I'm going to pronounce this guy's first name in wrong. And uh, even though he is a Florida player, I'm going to apologize. Trayon Webb. T R E Y A U N. Um, yeah, sound, sounds right. Four carries for 72 yards. Um, mm-hmm. And then Graham Mertz had the only rushing touchdown of the day. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, with the, we, we had kind of talked about it a little bit too with the, the rushing stats, uh, kind of getting lumped in with like, you know, sack yardage. He had like negative, what, negative 25 yards rushing, but he did have a touchdown. Negative 32. Negative. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> yep, not not a great look. I will say, somehow, some way, he still had seventy three percent completion on the day. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, he only he only missed out on nine passes. I mean, Ricky Pearsall again being the only guy real like receiver really worth the damn for them. Six catches, ninety nine yards. But again, he really didn't do much until again garbage time for the most part. But I mean, he still still put up some stats. Yeah, no, I I think. Any just about every program in the SEC would love to have Ricky Pearsall, mm-hmm. and I would include Georgia in that because you know it's he is he went from probably when he got to college everybody thought it was going to be a long shot for him to be drafted. I think he is a day two guy at worst. Mm-hmm. He's a taller lad, McConkey. Maybe not as fast, but yeah. And yeah. the, he's he's a taller lad, McConkey, with George Pickens' body control. Mm-hmm. But l- luckily, not not a uh, George Pickens. Uh, mm, never mind. I was about to say I don't know if it's lucky because think about what George Pickens would have done in a Florida game. Oh, he would have definitely gotten a fight, sprayed somebody with a water bottle. All I mean, all the stuff he's already did. Too, but yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so 
And you put this in here. I think it's really interesting. The quote unquote trick play mm-hmm. that they did where the ball was snapped between Merck's legs to Trevor Etienne um, on that fourth down. I thought that was a really cool play design. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, yeah. given a different offensive line against a different defensive line, that probably works nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of broadcast. They were saying that they got too cute with it. Like, like you said, I thought it was neat. Like I, I, I don't think well, that I've seen. This is a big like 10 that. quarterback from the sixties on the, yeah. on the game. Let's, that's fair. That's that's definitely fair. And the forward pass is too cute for him. <laughs> just running up the middle. Uh shout out to Smile Munden for snuffing that out. I mean, I, really everybody, everybody covered who who they're uh they're supposed to cover there, but I'm just curious, did Michigan give them a heads up that a play would like that was gonna happen? Were they worried about Florida making the playoff? People are asking. Um, yeah, uh, I mean I think they're more worried about playing Florida in the exhibition game after they get a bowl ban and Florida doesn't make a bowl game. <laughs> Apparently, right before we got on, Harbaugh, um, they had a an extension on the table for him to become the highest paid coach in college football. And I guess as of like 20 minutes ago, they rescinded that extension offer to him. So kind of goes with what, I, with what I've said before is I think this is Harbaugh's last year, regardless, even you know, prior to the uh, – the cheeseburger gate and the uh, sign stealing allegations and whatnot. I know this is going off on a tangent, but who, if he leaves Michigan, I can't imagine any NFL team wants anything to do with him right now. Well, the other thing I saw was that they, that the NFL would more or less support whatever decision the NCAA had, because it's not really like a recruiting thing. I mean, besides the cheeseburger thing, but not a recruiting thing, but actually like, integrity of the game thing if yeah. it turns out to be a big deal so they're so the nfl would again kind of go with whatever uh you know decision the ncaa has it apparently they did the same thing with jim trussell too uh with the tattoo thing which doesn't really make much it yeah i it just it's kind of wild to think that after finally getting over the hump and it's possible that, you know, if the sign stealing thing went on that long, it's possible that that's a reason they got over the hump. Mm-hmm. You know, if it actually made a difference, I still think that part of it's up in the air. Yeah. I don't think back to back conference championships and he's going to ride off into the sunset because of something insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't think, I think the impact is, is minimal at best. I mean, even if they had some signs, they beat the crap out of Ohio State the last two years. Like it, it they out physical them that you don't need the signs to out physical somebody necessarily. But right, anyway. yeah, and especially yeah. you, blown coverages mm-hmm. are not a result of having different signs. Like last year's game mm-hmm. in the Horseshoe, Michigan had what like two or three seventy-five yard touchdowns, and there was nobody covering the receiver. Yeah, just like all broken cover, busted coverage. Yeah, that's that's not a sign other than a sign that your defense is trash. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so yeah, good good tangent. Getting started off strong <laughs> here. Fifteen minutes in, we spent five minutes talking about Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that, that would be the last thing we talked about. They didn't even play a game this week. No, um, they probably still beat the bye week by twenty. Or mm-hmm. at least, honest. I mean, it was second toughest opponent on their schedule thus far. Ah. I don't know. Penn State's defense is good. They haven't Their played offense... him yet. I'm just saying, uh, as oh, of so right far. now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, 100%. Um, so Carson Beck had a, another great day, 19-28 for 315 yards. Completed 19 passes. And went for 315 yards. That's 11.3 yards per attempt. Two passing touchdowns on the day. If he would have gone to the left instead of the right on that QB draw in the red zone, he would have had a rushing touchdown as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Carson Beck honestly continues to surprise me week after week. Mm -hmm. He's Yeah, he's definitely been better than... I think even we had hoped, especially early on in the season where there were relative struggles. I think uh, later in this, I put it in there, but uh, Carson Beck has thrown for over 250 yards in each of his first career eight starts, passing Kellen Mond from uh, Texas A&M for most in SEC history. No other quarterback has more than three. So shout out Mike Bobo knowing how to coach quarterbacks is that is definitely not, for the most part, has not been an issue for him whatsoever. And, you know, just going off on a slight tangent here about how good Carson Beck has been. So UT Martin, 294, Ball mm-hmm. State, 283, South Carolina, 269. Nice. And then he starts to turn it on against UAB, 338, 313 at Auburn, 389 against Kentucky. His one week of less than 300 passing yards since – the third week of September was against Vandy with 261. Hmm. That's that, that is so impressive. I mean, I know they showed the comparison in the game yesterday about him and Stetson, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's fairly easy to argue that this year's um, I think this year's offensive line is definitely not as good as last year's offensive line. This group of running backs is not as good as last year's group of running backs. Mm-hmm. But Carson is putting up better numbers with less protection and less help in the run game. I Mm. think that's not being talked about enough by Georgia fans, especially because still it seems like every week people are like, oh, Carson Beck's not the guy. Mm -hmm. It it really is impressive what what he's been able to do with, again, probably lesser talent, and especially with teams knowing that he really – I think he has more receiving talent but less – line and running back talent yeah i was gonna say like he running back wise or just you know the rush running game in general like for him to do what he's doing and with defenses for the most part obviously george still has a you know somewhat of a commitment to the run even though they've only they only used two running backs yesterday even though the entire running back room is healthy and i think they were dressed at least that's what i heard in the uh the pregame uh show on the radio but for for him to be able to put up, put up these numbers with defenses knowing that he, he's going to have to throw the ball um, makes it all the more impressive. No, I agree 100%. Um, and this is something that we had talked about in the um, – we talked about in the group chat before – or as soon as we knew what the Brock injury was, we had talked about, you know – who was going to step up? Because it seems like every time this is a question going into the Florida game, it's somebody that steps up big. Um, and this week, it was two guys. Uh, Lad McConkey trailered his donkey all the way back down to uh, to Jacksonville for a great game. Six catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. And that 54-yard catch 
I would love to know where he buys his brakes. Um, the stop and go ability on this man just is is wild. That doesn't get talked about enough. Man, first his route running is mm. one of the reasons why he gets so open all the time because he runs extremely clean routes, and that's extremely mm. important. But that instinct after the catch is something that is not teachable mm-hmm. because he didn't know that there was somebody coming from behind him when he made that catch. He just turned and sent that dude out of the frame. Mm-hmm. I mean, without his ability to, you know, stop, stop and go and just kind of having that field sense, he turned a probably a 20 yard reception into a 55 yard reception. I mean, that's, it's nice. It's it's so good to see that because that, again, that's probably a thing that Brock would you know do for this team more so, and they've had to obviously rely on a lad a little bit more in this. But he stepped up somehow. That's only his second 100 yard receiving game in his career. That's kind of mind blowing. I know, uh, right? Do you yeah. know the other one? 2021 Auburn. Yeah, that makes sense because he did. Mm-hmm. He had that one like 80 yard touchdown. Yeah, um, and that was kind of everyone was still questioning if Stetson Bennett was the guy. Yeah, that was Lads more or less is like coming out party for the team. I mean, he, he did a little bit before that game, but like that game was huge for him. But yes, only two hundred yard receiving games in his career is wild, considering how much he's played the last you know three years. Yeah, no, that's that is super interesting. Um, and then Dominic Lovett is the other guy that stepped up four catches, eighty three yards, an average of twenty point eight yards per reception. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know it got kind of hidden because uh, Oscar only had two catches, but that one-handed grab, dude, like he channeled his Brock Bowers for a minute. I wonder mm-hmm. if he got some like alien blood transfusion from Brock before the game. <laughs> Did some because, blood spinning. I mean, th- I think personally, you know, just putting it out there, I think that was probably closer to being a real-life Jordan logo than the Ricky Pearsall catch. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, no shade on Ricky Pearsall. I, if you guys have listened to us for any length of time, you know that I'm a huge Ricky Pearsall fan. I think he's going to do great things um, at the next level. I Honestly, for his sake, I hope he transfers from Florida because I think he will get a lot more recognition if he gets you know, the yards and touchdowns that he could get just throwing a couple couple schools out there, potentially um, potentially going to LSU. Wait, no, Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be there next year. I think Ricky Pearsall at LSU, us. Uh, twelve hundred yard receiver. I think depending on who the quarterback is at Tennessee, I think he'd be really good. And obviously, there's schools outside of the SEC that I think he would do well at. Those are just the first two that popped up. Georgia Southern, they like to sling the rock, sling the rock. Depends on who their quarterback is. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know if Bren has eligibility next year. Yeah, no idea. No idea. The only thing I know about Georgia Southern's football team this year is they beat State because Southern, not State. Absolutely. Get after that ass. Um, yeah. Dajan had a great day, almost getting to 100 yards on 15 carries. He had 96 yards, two touchdowns, one of those being a pretty long touchdown rope or run where he mm-hmm. tight roped the sideline um, and got in. Another was 
thanks to a Lawson Lucky block. True freshman Lawson Lucky mm-hmm. was the ceiling block on his uh what two or three yard touchdown run. Uh probably was it second or third quarter? I think it was I think it was the third quarter. Uh Dylan Bell scored the touchdown in the third quarter, I think. In the okay. second quarter. All right. So Dejan Edwards uh second quarter touchdown. It was true freshman tight end Lawson Lucky, who is getting the um tight end two playing time behind Oscar Dell as a true freshman, which I think that says a lot. Mm. Um, especially since he missed a lot of fall camp with an injury. Didn't have any same, catches on the day. Was that the, that was the same injury that uh that, that Brock had, right? The tightrope. Yes, he yep. did have tightrope surgery in August. Um and I think a big reason that he didn't play earlier in the season was probably just because Brock and Oscar were healthy. Mm. But uh after seeing what he's able to do get some of those 2021 season uh, 13 personnel packages coming in. Yeah. Talking about some wide open running lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I was just, as far as the offense goes, I was extremely impressed by every single person that did anything on the offense. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, Rob, while he only had one catch, I thought he did extremely well. Marcus mm-hmm. Rosemary Jack Saint would have had a touchdown if uh if Carson would have thrown that ball a little bit lower. But actually something that Aaron talked Aaron Murray talked about before the game was being a Florida native playing for Georgia in that game. It's tough to manage your emotions on that first drive. And mm-hmm. he actually said, expect some balls to be thrown a little high in the beginning of the game. And then once he gets into it, it they'll start to get lower and more on target. And we saw that quite literally in the first drive. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Aaron Murray might know a thing or two about playing quarterback at Georgia. Wild. It turns out it's, that's wild. Wild. Um, <laughs> but Kendall Milton, though, he, I was surprised that he had as many carries as he had. He had uh, he had 13 for uh, 55 yards. And again, like it's only it's only Kendall and, and uh, Dajan that had carries in this game, uh, which is Dylan again, had two carries. Who did? Dylan Bell. Oh yeah, that's true. I, I I think he only had like 13 yards, kind of a yeah yeah. But this uh, why was I know Roderick Roderick was a uh, I think he's finally back. Like I said earlier, everybody everybody in that running rack room dressed and I think traveled for this game. Everybody that isn't on a season ending injury. Yeah yeah yeah. So I mean Andrew Paul should have been there. Cash Cash Jones. Uh, oh, Cash Jones didn't play. Um, <laughs> Wish he would have. And if he comes on the pod, he'll get that bump. It might be uh, RB two if they need do if they uh, decide decide to put Kendall in bubble wrap. But we, like we keep asking, we need him to be healthy. We hey, don't. He did not get it. hurt. He had a good day running through tackles. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like every time he came into the game, there were no running lights. There was mm-hmm. nothing. It always seems like he gets tripped up so easily, though. That that's I I, don't, I sound like I'm a a Kendall Milton hater. I'm, I promise I'm not, but I it just it, someone as big as him. He's as big as Derrick Henry. Well, not as big, but close to it. I just, I, I don't know. I feel like he goes down too easy sometimes, but he's a batter. Like the, that goal line running back in that situation where he doesn't have to be lateral at all. He just goes straight forward. He's, he's money. So anytime you do a player prop on the uh, Kendall Milton, I think it always hits. For and I did yesterday. Yep. I did mm-hmm. a one touchdown. Uh, player prop or one or more touchdown player prop on Kendall, and uh, very thankful that it hit. 
that, because uh, getting towards the, the end of the game, yeah. it almost did not. And then they fed him the rock three times on the goal line. And I mm. was – every time he didn't get in, I was like, give him one more try. Give him one, I promise he'll get it this time. <laughs> mm. Oh, man, you ready to get into the defense? Because they had a spectacular game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outside of outside of like three drives, two mm-hmm. of those were really with the second string defense. That doesn't really count. Um, yeah. So defense had a total of four sacks, and outside of that first drive by Florida, Florida didn't really do anything until mm-hmm. the second stringers came in in the uh, fourth quarter. And this is something I talked about. Uh, I want to say it was with Candler last week. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Yeah. Being back, he had tightrope surgery too. I think it's something, you know, things like the flu, it's just going around the locker room. Um, he came back from it and had a phenomenal game. He had the sack that caused a forced fumble deep in Florida territory. Marvin Jones Jr. recovered that one. Um, We're workshopping a few names on what to call November. Um, So far, it's Beck Vember, Lad Vember, or Marv Vember from Marvin Jones Jr. You guys let us know what you like best. Mm -hmm. Um, But Marvin Marvin Jones Jr. was making an impact on the game. He didn't fill up the stat sheet, but I don't really think it matters. Mm -hmm. With the impact that he had, if um if there was a havoc rate stat on the box score, he would be at the top. Yeah, yeah, he had a great game. Um, Janelle Aguero blocked a punt for a safety, mm-hmm. which it almost looks like a touchdown at first mm-hmm. instead of a safety, but it, it the ball immediately bounced into the white. Um, it's so honest, it's honestly kind of surprising that that was the the first blocked punt that we've had this season. I don't know why. It just it feels like that the last few years it's happened. It it was more frequent, or at least it happened earlier in the year. I don't know. I could be totally making that up, but it took a bit. No, I I agree with you there, but I think you know I don't I don't get frustrated with not having blocked punts. No, no, no. Because because I do think that everybody in the coaching staff knows. Every single team's throwing the kitchen sink at you. Mm-hmm. Every single team. So you have to, in those, you know, potential trick plays when it comes to field goals, punts, that sort of thing, you've got to be prepared and play a little conservative as far as blocks go to make sure that they don't try and sneak something on the outside. Um, and that's something that I plan on talking about this week when it comes to uh, to Mizzou there. Mm-hmm. Because they like to do trick stuff, for sure. I mean, they did that in the Kentucky game, uh, what, two weeks ago? Or last week? Yes. And um, their punter looked like a better quarterback than Brady Cook did all of last season. Yeah, so, oh, for sure. yeah, for sure. Not this season. No, no, let Brady Cook. Last season. Yeah. Um. So, you've got it here in the notes. Uh, <laughs> I am 1-5 picking against the spread in Georgia games, and you are 3-3. Three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I will continue to be wrong if they keep winning. Like I, I don't care. Yeah, just keep uh, just keep picking against the spread, or, or not against. The, uh, keep not taking Georgia to cover, and then I think everybody will be happier. And it's funny too. Oh, well, because like again, my principal 
of like you know two out of the last three or, or so with like the Kentucky game and then and then this one. It's like it doesn't feel like it's going to be a blowout, and then it turned out to be a blowout when a conventional wisdom say it wouldn't be. So I'm just going to go with whatever I whatever I feel about going to the game. I'm going to just do the opposite. You know, it's probably probably a solid solid bet, even though you know I still do have the Mark Richt anxiety syndrome. So uh. yeah, that's fair. Um, so some cup, a uh, few like just big, big pictures, uh, numbers here. Georgia has won three in a row over Florida since 2020 cocktail party. The dogs have won 35 consecutive regular season games and 25 straight games overall and have gone 41 and one Insane. since that 2020 loss. Yeah. So starting with that, that, uh, uh, JT Daniels first start against Mississippi State in 2020, 41 and one. Insane. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. They uh, um, yeah. You know, go ahead. Like with yeah, I was saying with that. Um, when the uh, AP poll, uh, I guess it came out today, so they're already number one still. I assume I haven't looked at it because again, yeah. at this point, it doesn't really matter. But Georgia's also uh, tied the 2001-2002 Miami Hurricanes at 20 consecutive weeks as the AP number one team in the country. That doesn't obviously count over the offseason, the just preseason poll, after the season poll, all that. But it's the uh, third longest streak all time, 20 consecutive polls being number one. Which is also insane. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually had – that was the athletic trivia question um, mm-hmm. during the game yesterday. and like USC had the – First one, right? Yes. So USC 34, uh, 32, 34, something like that. And that was my guess. I I said it would be USC and Alabama. And uh, one of our friends said, oh, I think it's Miami and Alabama. Alabama's not on the list. Yeah. They are for SEC, like, winning streaks. Not necessarily the poll one. Because, I mean, they – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even during, you know, Saban's, like, you know, heyday and, like, dominance, like, they – more often than not, they didn't go undefeated. They they would lose one kind of inexcusable game, or you know some you know prayer, you know at Jordan Hare, or you know kick six or whatever. But so I will say, um, I think one of the reasons that Bama is not on the list is that for the 2012 season, Ohio State was ranked number one in the AP poll and not the BCS because they had the postseason ban that year. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that 2012 is what kind of screwed Alabama's record up there, even though, you know, if somebody has a borderline death penalty, I don't think they should be ranked number one in the AP poll either, but that's just mm-hmm. beside the point. And that's wild too. I mean, to have, again, be, be number one in consecutive preseason polls too is pretty, well, I guess they were number one to start last year, Never mind, but still impressive nonetheless. Um, and the last thing we've got for the game and the big picture stuff, except for players of the game, um, and that is Georgia has also never been ranked lower than first or tied for first in the only poll that really matters, um, and that is the nothing finer poll that we put out every Sunday. We try to get it out before the AP poll um, so people don't think we're influenced by them because mm-hmm. – Honestly, we talk trash about them all the time. So why would we be influenced by them? Fair. Um, let's do players of the game. You got offense. All right. So the Brock Bowers offensive player of the game. Again, it's got to be Lad McConkey. 
we talked about earlier, Lab went off for six catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. And like I, again, all like I mentioned earlier, Saturday is only his second career 100-yard receiving game. Again, with the first being uh, 2021 Auburn, and I I want to start calling him Yak McConkey because I mean, like we talked about before, just stop and go cutting ability. Just I, I love it. Even though Lad's a pretty good name too. Um. Yes. So defensive player of the game. We're going to smile, Mondin. Uh, five tackles, including two tackles for loss. He was made the solo tackle on that uh, that Trevor Etienne. I I think it was well designed trick play that just mm-hmm. got snuffed out by a better team. Yeah. Um, but uh, phenomenal, phenomenal game by him. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson kind of had a little bit of a quiet game, which is odd. Yeah. Um, but when you've got Smile Mondin. It it doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It yeah, really he doesn't. yeah he he was huge. I mean, you could have even put it on uh, a uh, Taiki up there as well. He I think he led the team. Did he leave the team in tackles? Or he was up? He was close to it. I thought maybe not. Yeah, no, he w- he definitely had a lot of tackles. He also ran Ricky Pearsall's route for him on a big third down. Uh, mm-hmm. Deflected that pass, which is extremely impressive. Um, mm-hmm. Javon had seven. Taiki had six. Kamari Lasseter had five. Mm-hmm. Um, another person that I thought about for defensive player of the game would have been Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, mm-hmm. just because coming back off of that injury, he had forced fumble, a sack, a tackle, filled up almost every column on the stat sheet there. Um, and then another guy that just created an insane amount of chaos for uh Graham Mertz was Jalen Walker. He also didn't fill yeah. up the stat sheet, but he was like, I man, Graham Mertz is gonna open his door and look for the Georgia defensive line because they were terrorizing that man all game long. Some are asking, is he gonna have the yips like uh DJU did for the next two years? I mean, to uh Graham Mertz has another year of eligibility. So oh, good lord. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somehow. All right, so uh, Boom's newcomer of the game, and I think I feel like we've given it to him before, but uh, Dominic Lovett, as we mentioned earlier, four catches for 83 yards, including the 55-yard uh, reception where he did a lot of work uh, there. Uh, Brad kept calling him Dominique, like, frequently during that game. There's a lot of... Does it surprise you? No. I thought it would have been Gary more so, but it was it was Brad. Brad Brad's... He, he's gotten old very fast. Happens to the best of us mm. and the worst. <laughs> Everybody, father time undefeated. Um, and then hungriest dog of the game, Janelle Aguero had that block punt. He hasn't had a ton of playing time this year. I mean, he only had one tackle on the day, and that was in uh, in garbage time late there. But he, on that block punt, was not going to be stopped. Um I think he's another guy that, you know, when it comes to be his time, will just be another name and a long line of good, great Georgia safeties. For sure. Um, and so this is time for calling the dogs, and we just want to shout you guys out. Um, I'm having problems with the soundboard again. I'm not really sure what's going on with it, so we're not going to play them on the live version or the YouTube version, but it will be in the audio version. Um, we have eight total voicemails some of them funny 
some of them serious or yeah, we have eight minutes of calls that we're going to put in right here. Um, this is the infamous Dr. Frog deep from within Florida territory, AKA enemy territory. All I have to say is royally F Florida. It has been a good day because of after all this, I've managed to somehow scare away a bunch of crappy Florida plans from the table that they were sitting at in our bar. So go dogs, be gators. It's a good day. All right. Full disclosure, I'm calling at halftime. And according to the group text, I'm not the only one. But if something terrible happens and you see another voicemail from me that was left later, just delete this one and burn it in a fire. Don't play it on the podcast because it's going to look really embarrassing. But you know what looks really embarrassing right now? These daggum Florida Gators. People been talking so much smack all week. Georgia's on upset alert. Nope. Billy Napier is going to finally beat Kirby Smart. Nope. These dogs, without Brock Bowers, they're not going to be able to do anything. Nope, 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 nope. It is halftime, and we have already covered the daggum spread. So everybody can just shut their mouths about it, and those Florida Gators, you can take your two bits, your four bits, your six bits, your dollar, your $5 bill, your 20s that you get from selling meth, and you can shine them all up real nice, turn those some bitches sideways, and stick them straight up your candy asses. Because let me tell you something, the dogs are on top, always and forever. Florida freaking sucks. Woo! Hey, this is Chris on Facebook, Chris Mack. How about them fucking dogs? I live down here in Florida, right near Tampa, and the only thing more saltier than the ocean here, the Gulf, uh, is the Gator fan tears. I got friends that are real-life friends that are Gator fans for over 20 years. They just took me off Facebook. They want to talk 1980, give me shit for 10-plus years, and they can't even take it. They over here unfriending people on Facebook over a fucking game. Let's fucking go. How about them dogs? Hello. This is the wife of the infamous Dr. Frog. I just want to share a couple thoughts I had of the game as an observer and an avid Georgia Bulldogs fan. Um... First of all, fuck Florida. Second of all, fuck Florida. Third of all, fuck fuck Tennessee as well because they fucking suck. And third of all, or fourth of all, because I can't do math as a drunken wife, um, fuck Florida. That is all I have to say. Have a great one. Thanks. Bye. All right, well, good news. Nothing terrible happened. Just giving an update. It's me again. Nothing terrible happened, so everything about two bits and candy asses is still very much valid. All of the points that mattered to Florida were scored in the fourth quarter, so good job on a moral victory. One point better than last year's final score, by the way, but in very different circumstances. There's not a single point in that game where you could say, oh, Florida had a chance to win it here. Nada! Not today, pal. Georgia beats Florida again and and again. That is six non-Mickey Mouse seasons in a row. Georgia has just come in and eaten Florida's lunch. And I hope they recognize, and by they I mean Dan Mullen and Billy Napier, exactly who daddy is. 
because let me tell you something. Daddy loves to beat Florida. That 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 is Kirby Smart. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Nick from out in Denver, calling you from a very snowy uh, morning here. Snowed about eight inches overnight. So while everyone was enjoying the nice sunshine of the cocktail party, uh, I was watching the the game from a very cozy fireplace with a hotty toddy and watching the dogs kick some ass. So uh, my biggest takeaways from the game, man, were did anybody coming into this game know who Tyrion Ingram Dawkins was? Did they know who Jalen Walker was? Did they know who Janelle Aguero was? I mean, all week everyone just wanted to talk about how Bowers went down. You know, Georgia can't can't hang without Bowers. I mean, this team has championship-level depth, man. And, like, while I've been concerned about the defense at time, I mean, Florida goes down first drive, scripted, you know, scripted drive goes down, scores immediately. You know, they picked on Dalen Everett, who's been body all year. Um, the fact that they did put in Humphrey immediately after that drive. I mean, Florida couldn't do shit after that. And when Georgia gets teams in third and long, I mean, good luck. Like, third and eight, third and ten, you can send, you know, send both linebackers. You can get creative with pressure. I mean, Georgia doesn't lose to teams that just have a drop-back passer like that. Um, I was just really impressed. I mean, so good to see TID come back from that injury with the forced, forced fumble that led to points. And then, you know, Jalen, Jalen Walker, even though his fumble wasn't recovered, I mean, the Gators had a punt after that. And then Janelle Aguero with the blocked punt safety. I mean, it was it was awesome, man. And again, I've I've been a little hot and cold on this team and how streaky they've been. But I mean, everyone in the media just wants to tell you how this team isn't very good. And you know, they beat up on Kentucky, which is not a good football team. They blew out Florida, so I'm sure on Monday we'll hear, well, Florida wasn't good at all in the first place. And maybe they won't get respect until they play Missouri next week, depending on how that game goes. But I don't know, man. It was it was a, it was an ass weapon from start to finish. It was so good to see that game was over at the half. I mean, Georgia gave up two garbage time touchdowns in the fourth quarter. One of those drives they had the backups in. So, I mean, I'm just really fucking impressed. I can't wait to see how the rest of the season goes. And uh, go dogs, baby. Hey guys, sorry. One other thing I thought of that I'd love to hear you debate on the show is is Tyke Smith the best player on this defense? I mean, seriously, this dude, this dude is playing out of his mind. And I know every every DB gets beat every now and then. But, I mean, Starks will probably get drafted higher just based on pure talent and athleticism. But who's who's performing better than Tyke Smith right now on this defense? I mean, I don't, I don't even know how many interceptions he has. I think he has like four or five on the season. But that play he made against Pearsall when he was stepped, he knew the route he was going to run and was running with it, like, right when he came out of his break, he was right on him. Um, you know, he was he was kind of holding on for, like, the first five yards, knew exactly when he could he could let go and not, you know, not get called for a holding. I mean, that play he made, I think that was a third down, um, and the Gators had a punt after that. I was so fucking impressed watching that. I mean, the dude the dude just balls every weekend. And when if he stays healthy, I mean, that trio of, of Stark, Bullard, and Tyke Smith, have to be one of the best, you know, DV trios in the country. Um, let me know what you think. I, I legitimately think he has a case for being the most productive player on, on this defense. Let me know what you guys think. 
So I do want to say that one of our last voicemails of the day was um, actually this morning. Nick from Denver called in. Nick, I don't know if I know you personally, um, but thank you for calling. And I do want to say that he brought up a good point. Um, and it was about, is Tyke Smith the best player on this defense? And we've sung Tyke's praises for quite a while now. I mean, he was mm-hmm. a All-American as a freshman in West Virginia, um, followed his DB's coach to Georgia, who left after one season, didn't play in 2021 because he was injured, only played part of 2022 because he was injured again, and uh, has shown us what we missed out on having those two years of mm-hmm. with with his play so far this year. And I know we've talked about it, but if you're not going to have Von Bullard at star, you couldn't ask for a better player than Tyke Smith. Um, so, man, I, I think it would be hard to argue that he is not, at bare minimum, the most consistent player on this defense right now. Mm-hmm. Have top one or two, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, him and uh, I mean, Malachi's played every game as well. But I mean, just this entire secondary. I mean, if you're just talking about like units across the country, you got to put Georgia's secondary up there again with Bullard, Malachi, uh, Kamari Lassard has played well, even though he doesn't get talked about like a ton. Uh, Tyke, obviously. I mean, it just it it's been very very impressive. I was actually about to bring up Kamari Lasser because he's not a guy that really ever fills up the stat sheets, mm-hmm. um, and that's because the ball doesn't get thrown his way. Yeah, like Dalen Everett is going to have a lot more tackles at the end of the season than Kamari Lasseter because people mm-hmm. don't test Kamari Lasseter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and you know I said it towards the end of last season. I thought he at the end of the year was a better corner than Keely Ringo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like he is as close to a shutdown corner as you can get in today's college football. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's a reason that so many teams don't even try to throw his direction. Is he, do you think he's the best corner that we've had since Tyson Campbell or uh, Eric Stokes? I would say he's the best cover corner since Eric Stokes. Mm-hmm. And the thing, and, you know, I love Eric Stokes. I really do. I actually met his family at a um, Green Bay game a couple years mm-hmm. ago um, mm-hmm. because I had a sign. We were in, like, the front row. It was when they played in Jacksonville because of the hurricane in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Um, we were in the front row, and I had a sign that said something about Eric Stokes, different G or different color G, but same damn good dog. And his family – took a picture with me and the sign at the end of the game because we passed them when we were walking out and they were all super excited. Um, There we go. But no, I mean, I'm a huge Eric Stokes fan, but I think one of the reasons that he was so good is because if he got burned, he was fast enough to catch up to the receiver. Yeah. And Kamari just doesn't really get burned. Mm -hmm. So It's nice to be able to shut down – know that part of the field like like you said he doesn't really get tested all that often and that's that's huge yeah and i mean most of the most of the time when you see catches it is somebody getting a mismatch in the secondary uh so throw it back all the way to south carolina at this point Uh, xavier will get his first you know in that first half every almost every catch he had was because he was lined up or through motion 
got to be on a linebacker. He was a linebacker's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Most linebackers are not able to cover wide receivers. But if any of these guys get Kamari Lasseter or Tyke Smith on a wide receiver, they're not going to have a fun time. Yeah. Straight up not having a good time. But Tyke, I think he's still, I think we talked about it before. He still has one more year of eligibility, but he keeps having the season he he's having. He's not coming back. There's no reason for him to. I, you know, I hope he does. But yeah, yeah. I hope he doesn't have a reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just one final shout out to the entire defense. 55 total tackles on the day, four sacks, eight tackles for loss, and two passes defended. Yeah. Like that's the stat sheet. If you pull up ESPN, and I've got a big phone. I have a Galaxy S23 Ultra, so a giant phone screen. If you pull up box score on ESPN, you have to scroll to get through every single player that had a defensive stat. It doesn't fit on one page of my phone. Mm-hmm. That's a damn good day. It is. That's one thing we've talked about a lot, too, is is there's not anyone that's like overly dominating the staff sh- stat sheet because, you know, obviously there's so much uh, ro- you know, rotation. Everybody does their part. The starless defense, like it had been the last few years, even though there's plenty of of names on this defense. But, yeah, no, no one too, too dominating like stat sheet wise and want to keep it that way because obviously it's resulted uh, very well for us the last couple of years, including this year. Yeah. Um, if only Bear Alexander cared about draft picks instead of uh, people knowing his name, you know. Yeah. What could have been? Where will he be next year? Who knows? It's not... I don't think he does. No, no, definitely not. Uh, so moving on, actually out to the Pac-12. Not the USC game, but Oregon six-and-a-half point favorites at Utah over under 48-and-a-half. Um. Oregon just beat the brakes off of Utah. I, mm-hmm. you know, I know it was at Utah. Game college game day was at Utah. Um, Oregon has something to prove after that Washington loss. Yeah, and you know, thirty-five to six. While thirty-five points isn't all that impressive, it's thirty-five points against a really good Utah defense where, you know, the preseason best offense in the country didn't put up 35 points the week yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this one, but Oregon's will, out will, here making constant statements. Yeah, I will say, it's, it uh, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out, if Oregon doesn't make the Pac-12 championship, that's that's disgusting. Like Because USD technically is still second because they have – uh, they only have one conference loss, but I mean, it'll end up, you know, shaking itself out, but Oregon is by far the best team uh, out there. I think at this point. I, yeah, I would agree with you, especially with the last two weeks that, um, that Washington's had them. Obviously Washington's my bandwagon team, mm-hmm. but you know, I can't ignore the last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely put a damper on, on them. I mean, and uh, I think our first nothing finer poll, they were, uh, you know, one A or one B, depending on how you wanted to look yeah. at it. So they've fallen off a little bit, even though they haven't lost the game. Um, 
a couple of other teams that fell off. Tennessee, three and a half point favorites going to Lexington over under 51 and a half. Um, Tennessee ended up winning this game 33-27, so they covered that three and a half. There was nothing fun about this game. No, no. It was – it felt gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Milton, 18-21 for 221 yards and a touchdown. Um, he completed 85% of his passes. The big function of that is because the run game was actually really good against Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And he only had to attempt 21 passes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw the caliber of play he had against Florida when they were able to stop his run game. So I don't know if Joe Milton's good. I honestly don't know if he's bad. I just. He's he's mid. Joe Midton. Mid Joe Midton. Perfect. He's not going to beat you. We know I that much I do know. He's, yeah. he's not going to be the reason why you win. You know, he he doesn't do enough deadlifts to put the team on his back. Let's just say that. For sure. He's always doing them curls for the uh for the 93-yard throws. Let's say curls curls get the girls. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I'm so <laughs> like the jury's still out on Joe Milton because he hasn't proven anything other than what we already know mm-hmm. like joe milton yeah cool he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions mm-hmm. yeah cool he can throw an 80 yard pass but like that's that's the extent of what he has shown consistently yeah um does this scare you that georgia has to go to knoxville to play tennessee only slightly, just because it is. It, I assume it's probably going to be a night game. Uh, just the, I mean, granted, it's been a few years. What it's been since what twenty fifteen since they've lost a game in in, uh, in Knoxville. Yes. So it's been a bit, it's been eight years. Um, and with that said, I mean the the last few games, especially in Knoxville, haven't been very close. And this team is obviously not well. Not as good as last year, but that game was in Athens. But of of the Georgia's remaining games, this uh, this Tennessee game probably scares me the least amount. Even Tech, I mean, shout out Tech, two uh, top twenty five wins, shocking uh, UNC um, uh, in Atlanta. UNC was an 11, 11 and a half point favorite. Uh, so I mean, just shocking for yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, no that that was that was shocking. I do think that um, UNC may have been able to go on and win that game, except for Tez Walker did end up uh, going out with an injury after he got a first down. Mm -hmm. And while it was a hit that he didn't see coming, it wasn't a dirty hit. I think it was a Mm -hmm. great play by the defense. Hey, after, after knowing more about Tez Walker's story, and I mean, you can find it online. It's not like I know anything special, but Man, I hate seeing him hurt again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sucks. I, he's yeah. been eligible for less than a month. He's been the best player on the team, not named Drake May, since mm-hmm. he stepped on the field with pads on on a Saturday. And um, there was no update on his injury earlier today. Said that he was immediately taken to the hospital after he got off the field, released from the hospital this morning, and headed back to Chapel Hill, but they didn't say what it was mm-hmm. or how significant it was. So, 
it just sucks. Yeah. Big time. A couple of other teams that suck. Um, and that's <laughs> USC and Cal. Um, like, yeah, cool. They hit the over, right? Yeah. Um, USC almost lost to Cal. After the game was delayed for a protest in the most California thing to do, on the Pac-12 network, they put it on the Pac-12 network because they didn't want people to watch UNC look absolutely fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it hit it away from everybody. Yeah, USC ended up winning this game 50 to 49. 50 to 49. 99 total points. In regulation. If you're not watching a YouTube video, I just took my hat off and rubbed my face. Because they the USC has leaned into the not playing defense thing. Like they said, oh yeah. Bear Alexander talking about, you know, being a more physical team and you know wanting to go there and help that out. But good God, they not even pretending to play defense at this point. Cal. Cal. What they, what did they score against uh freaking Auburn? Uh like three? Ten? Ten? Okay. It was 14-10. Auburn won that game 14-10. Put up 49. Team that, one of the teams that nobody even wants from the Pac-12. Yeah. Well, people want their academics. Yeah, they want they want to just have Ber- the uh, Berkeley part of uh a part of the conference, but not necessarily the uh the athletics part. Would you like to know the only time this season that Cal has put up there's two times before Saturday that Cal put up more than 32 points. One was against North Texas. One was against Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And then the third time was against USC. The Oregon State one might be a little bit more not impressive than the USC one, but that's wild. That Wow. I, I, yeah, I'm, I I don't know what to say. How is USC still ranked? Like, granted, really? they did they didn't lose. Mm. They didn't lose. But the the way just the, the way they played against lesser competition, like again against Cal only winning by one point, you get embarrassed against Notre Dame. But Notre Dame that looks like they're a good team. Um, Arizona, barely, Arizona yeah, State, yeah. Colorado. Mm. All of these teams that are going to finish the season under 500, Arizona may not. They, with uh, Noah Fafita, they're actually a really good team. Yeah. But Arizona State and Colorado probably finishing the season under 500. Mm-hmm. And these teams not only took you down to the wire, but took you down to the last atom of the wire to barely, barely lose these games. Mm-hmm. I don't – it's insanity. Mm-hmm. Like, things that we could have – things that you and I ruled out before the season started. Caleb Williams, not winning the Heisman. Yep. USC's defense, not good. USC, not making the playoff, probably not even making the Pac-12 championship. And well, it's taken yeah. until week nine mm-hmm. for all these talking heads around the country to realize this. And somehow – 
they are still ranked. Barely. They're 24th, but it just by the skin of their teeth still still there. They're I think coming. I think you can make an argument. They're the, currently the fourth best team in the Pac-12. Oh, for sure. You, you know, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Oregon State. Okay, maybe fifth. Yeah. Maybe f- fifth or sixth, I think. Mm-hmm. Are, because for being honest, I think Arizona is a more complete football team. At this point, they're playing lights out. They they beat Oregon State. Yeah. But w- with, with all that said, I mean, USC is still – um, in second place in the Pac-12. Again, it's going to shake itself out. I think they play Oregon soon, if not this week. So, um, let's. I'm. I already got ESPN pulled up. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I just. I don't. If someone out there knows why people are so in love with, um, with USC, please let me know. No, USC plays Washington this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they, where's that? Is Oregon next week? That that's a gauntlet. Good lord. So they'll definitely uh, not be ranked. <laughs> and then UCLA the week after that. So mm. they play three Pac-12 teams ranked higher than them in the next three weeks. Yeah. Woo. And they could just screw it all up and still make the Pac-12 championship. You know, again. Think of them as like maybe the fifth or sixth best team in that conference. So it wild, wild last year for them for uh, that conference. Man, I'm just I'm so tired of USC. I can't wait till they go six and six in the Big Ten next year. And mm-hmm. yes, that is me being nice to the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, and most most uh, when, when teams change conferences, they tend to struggle. I mean, look at all the new newcomers in the the Big Twelve. They are all just complete ass right now. And Nebraska hasn't let it up. Missouri, I mean, Missouri's probably been the best of the the new teams that are, you know, that last wave, big wave of realignment. I mean, they made the SEC championship two years in a row. Outside of that, um, changing conferences hasn't necessarily been great for uh for most teams. Let's let's absolutely not throw shade on James Madison. It, it's a freaking crime that they can't go to a bowl game or play in the postseason at all. I think I, I don't know if this is the last year or if it goes for next year because they moved they made the move from FCS to FBS. But the Dukes, they're good, killing it. So mm-hmm. good. Uh, Christopher Smith in the Nothing Finder poll ranked them twice. And Maybe you rank the, pro- uh, the president. If you guys want to take part of. The nothing finer poll. Send us a message. Um, but also, if you're going to take part, and this is for people that are even currently in taking part of the poll, double check your ranking before you send it to me. Because next week, I'm not asking you two or three times if your ranking is right. I'm just going to have you looking stupid. Like, oh. if Michigan loses next week, I don't know who they're playing. But if they lose next week and you keep them at two, okay. Is what it is. I'm I'm not chasing down the six different people because they didn't want to double check a list. Are we? I don't. I I think I don't. I can't remember if we talked about it or not. Are we gonna Are we gonna do our, a playoff poll instead of a top twenty five? Um. So I think we're gonna keep doing our top twenty five, but okay. um, 
do you want to guess what the committee's going to do for their top four real quick? Well, if it, if it goes by like Heather Denich in uh in those those clowns that I was watching earlier, um, they're gonna not really look at anything. But I think that the actual committee itself, the ones that are worth a damn, I still think they're gonna go Georgia number one. Again, twenty consecutive weeks being the number one team in the uh, AP pool, so they'll go Georgia one. Back to back national champions. Georgia yeah, that be one. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that they should be left out, even if they're not one. They're two, but. We all know they're one. Georgia one. They may go Ohio State second, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know what the feeling is about about Michigan amongst them. Obviously, we're going to find out on Tuesday. So, I mean, Michigan's got they're going to be two or three, or just not even in the top you know, four or top six, depending on you know how they feel about the whole that whole scandal. But you no, know, we won't get into that. Um, but again, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and then I, I, I guess Florida State. But yeah, and I think because so I, I, I asked the same top four I have. I think mm-hmm. because Ohio State has re- wins over ranked teams, yeah, I think they're going to take the two spot. Mm-hmm. And I, I you're think, not going to get an argument out of me on that for sure. I, I agree with that. I truly think that Michigan is a significantly better team than Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at it position by position, the only thing that Ohio State has better is wide receivers. And mm-hmm. that they can't all stay on the field at the same time, so what does it really matter? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Michigan's got to be three. I don't think you can discount that they've won every single game this year by 20 or more points. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can discount how well they're doing on both offense and defense. They made the playoffs and won the conference for the last two years. I I personally think they should be two. I mean, that's what I put them in our poll that we put out this morning. Same. Um, but I, they'll probably put them at three. And then I think Florida State will be four over um, Washington because it's going to be a what have you done for me lately thing, and Washington has not looked great over the last two weeks. Yeah, I would say maybe like five, six would be like Oregon, Washington. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there um, yeah. because – I think if Oklahoma had lost to maybe a ranked team or mm-hmm. um, a team that didn't lose to Oklahoma State the week after the Oklahoma State lost to uh, South Alabama, mm-hmm. it might be a different story. But Oregon's 100% the best one-loss team in the country. Yeah. Just, it, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you on that. Um you wanna you wanna talk about our bets? Yes, I definitely do. You want me to go first? Yeah. All right. So I had a heater this week for the most part. So uh, Georgia, the fourteen and a half point favorite, I took them. They covered one by what twenty three. Uh, jumped on board with you with with Oregon being a six and a half point favorite. That that covered. Uh, lost on the Kentucky one. It was a what a what a five or six point game. So they didn't they didn't get to the. Uh, or, you know, they didn't cover the three and a half there. Uh, Georgia Southern kicked the shit out of Georgia State on Thursday night. So, uh, Georgia, yeah, Georgia Southern was a one and a half point favorite. Speaking of Gave which, up a 20 point lead mm-hmm. and still won by 10. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Southern almost has the uh, Sunbelt East wrapped up because, again, uh, James Madison can't play in the postseason. So, and there's been crazier things that happened, but Georgia Southern, they might. 
as a, the they might end up being the highest ranked uh, group of five team if they end up you know winning out and winning the Sun Belt and all that. They could be playing in the Peach Bowl. So this, many maybe ragged out F two fifties are going to be in Atlanta that week. Mm-hmm. All the people that said they wouldn't never go back, never go to Atlanta, they're going to make the exception for, for Georgia Southern in the Peach Bowl. It, but a lot of things have to happen. Tulane would have to lose, uh, and all that. So anyway, but yeah, but Georgia Southern beat uh, Georgia State for the first time in a few years. So good, good on them. One one and a half point favorite covered that. Um, I took Arizona. They were a plus three and a half um, at home against Oregon State. They covered. They won outright. So shout out Arizona, scrappy do. Uh, UConn at Boston College. I took the under 51 and a half. I didn't watch any of it because who would watch this game? But that hit. So they did go under 51 and a half. Missed out on the uh, UNC at Georgia Tech. UNC 11 and a half point favorite. Georgia Tech won outright. I'm not even mad. And then I was on board the uh, Washington at Stanford over 59 and a half as well. So uh, overall week nine, I went six and two. I'm sorry. Yeah, week nine, six and two. Overall record 50, 42 and one. So I think I'm to a point in in our betting here that um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to add all the things that I actually put my money on on Saturday to this graphic because mm-hmm. or this spreadsheet because this makes me look stupid. <laughs> but my my betting account makes me look like I am very, very intelligent. You're a shark. So, this week I went three and four. I had the Oregon South Carolina plus 14. Um, it ended up going two plus 17 before I took it on Saturday. So loved that. Um, mm-hmm. Missed the two lane rice had to come back in the fourth quarter to, uh, to bad beat that one. Bandy at Ole Miss over 63. Not, not a good look. Vandy didn't do their part there. Nope. Um, but also, I just need to quit doubting Vandy. Uh, they're a lot better on both sides of the ball than they were last year. They are so, the best two-win team in the country. I think that's a real easy argument to make. Yeah. I don't know who's making it, but we settled <laughs> it just now. <laughs> and then I had, obviously, Washington at Stanford over. Um, so I went three and four this week, 43 or 44, 43, and two. But. I placed nine bets on Saturday. I went seven and two. There you go. Um, and I will say, I had a seven-leg parlay, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing that did not hit was two-lane covering ten because it dropped to ten. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I it was a um, it was like a plus ten thousand odd seven leg parlay where I hit six of seven. Was that the last game of your uh, parlay? No, no, oh. it was the middle of the day. Uh, say, like if that was the last one, you you might have been able to cash out. That would have been that would have been nice. Yeah, not not real happy about that. But like I said, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to start putting what I actually put my money on mm-hmm. the day of on this. The graphic or the spreadsheet will get much longer, but I will look a lot less stupid. <laughs> hey, hey, whatever we need to do. Because so what happens is I get up on Saturday, you know, get some caffeine in me, 
get ready to watch some football, and I start feeling it. I start scrolling through and clicking shit. I'm like, oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. And more often than not, I come out well in the black. So that's what I'm going to start doing there because I'm tired of looking stupid when we talk about this. Yeah, share the wealth. Talk about those wins. Yeah. I, you know, I talking about it here makes me feel a little better, but not, I'm, I'm just going to start doing it or yeah, text you because I don't, I'm not smart enough for technology. Um, <laughs> That's all good. Um, as always guys, follow our social media at nothing.finder.pod on Instagram at finderpod on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube search us there. Um, rate and review the show five stars in a screenshot. We'll send you a sticker if you're going to be at the game this week, it's a big game. Missouri's coming into town on or uh, one loss, Missouri coming into town with a Heisman contender quarterback. So if you're going to be at the game, let me know. And, uh, and I'll do my best to meet up with you during the game for game, something like that. Um, probably will be headed home shortly after that because I am, uh, I'm going hunting on this Friday. And if I kill something, then I will be headed back to uh, to butcher it out early Sunday morning. So I'm not going to be staying out late on Saturday. Um, but as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land. And a drunk obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw lobs it to the right corner there's McConkey. he got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner touchdown